0: Welcome to the House Hacking Success Podcast, where you'll learn the path to free rent and financial freedom through real estate, featuring your hosts, Brad Labrie and Drew Klingler.
1: Welcome to House Hacking Success. Today, we have Mike Ely on the show. Mike's an apartment investor, and he's going to talk about how when he started, he started as a house hacker, and now he's up to over 1,200 apartment units. How are you doing, Mike? I'm good, brother. How you been, man? Been wonderful. Great to have you on.
0: Thanks, brother. love it, man. Love it, man. Appreciate what you're doing, man.
1: So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
0: Yeah, man. So uh, in summary, you know, a lot of people think I I do real estate. And and, (laughs) yes, I do. But our real goal is we help investors uh, get to their investment destination. And we act as a bridge for them, whether they want to be educated, and and because there's nothing better but having a great, educated investor. And we train them on how to find deals, analyze the deals, be a passive investor, an active investor. And then from there, we'll plug them into apartment and hotel deals. And so from there, they can do uh, large deals. And we, we kind of got a program called Big Deal Hacking. Yeah. And so, but it's funny about your show. Uh, I started off house hacking before they coined the phrase house hacking. As far as I knew, I just got a roommate.
1: <laughs> yeah, roommate paying rent.
0: Yeah, there you go. So, uh,
1: so when you got started, how did you discover house hacking? Or, you know, it wasn't house hacking then, but. How'd you come up with the idea?
0: Yeah. So what what, what happened, uh, uh, I read uh, No Money Down in the 90s uh, by Robert Allen. And um, he talked about how you can get pro- properties and cash flow. And it was just simple math. Uh One unit will pay for the mortgage. The other one you profit. So that's just basically how that did the numbers. I didn't go into the deep details about the taxes, insurance and everything. I was like, look, if this one unit can pay for all them bills or majority of them where I have one unit that I'm profiting, it's a deal. And that's how I did it. And so I got my first deal on a rent to own slash land contract. Uh, The owner financed it. Uh, They they. My mortgage was $700 a month. So I not knowing how to paint, I didn't know any construction. Um, I just read a book, right? Never, mm-hmm. never painted in my life. And a matter of fact, just to show you how bad I was. I started painting upside upstairs to get the unit ready. And the guys that had helped me sent me back downstairs. Cause I was that great. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, but anyway, I got that second floor rented, uh, section eight for 500. Then I had my sister as a roommate, she paid me 200. And then I started living the dream. I was living rent free. I did have some utilities, but for the most part, you know, so I went from paying five, $600 in rent to nothing. And so I'm living free. And then I just did it again. I got me, uh, some four fam, what two four families, no money down deal. Uh, the 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 uh, what was that? The realtor uh, he lent me his commission to buy the deal, and then I immediately paid him back at closing because I was able to get you know uh, uh, what was it uh, the, the, the the deposits and first month's rent because I timed it to close at the beginning of the month, so I got the first month's rent and deposit, paid my realtor back. I was in the deal for no money down. Then that money, I was a cash one from there, paid my car payment. Now I was living the dream. As I always say, I felt like Dave Chappelle. I, oh, no, I'm Rick James, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah.
1: I love it. So uh, let's go back to that first deal. Um, so, how'd you end up finding that deal? How'd you finance that one?
0: So, uh, in that day we didn't have the internet, right? I'm showing sure my age. Uh, we had the inquire, baby, the newspaper. <laughs> you looked in the ads. What was that? The ads. Se- it wasn't even the ad section. What was that section called? I forgot what. Real estate section? Yeah, it was a really, I forgot what you called that section of the paper. But yeah, they had all the ads, a little thing that you buy. And then I saw uh, a owner financing deal. And I was like, sounds great for me because I didn't have I had limited cash. I had about three grand and that's all I had to my name and um, uh, and I had bad credit. So I had to work on my credit and I was working two, three jobs at the time. Uh, I had a great day. My day started <laughs> at basically 1230 or let's just say midnight. And I would throw papers in the inquiry from my car, throwing papers, the daily newspaper, seven days a week. And then about, uh, then I would go Monday through Friday, I go to my daily job from like nine to five, nine to four. And then my favorite part of the day, uh, about two, three days out of the week, I would sell beer at the stadium. I was ice cold beer. And I was selling at the Reds and the Bengals game, man. But it was good money, man. I ended up making like a thousand, twelve, twelve thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a week, and so I did that for I don't know five, six months.
1: I paid all
0: my debt. Was it twelve? Twelve hundred, not twelve thousand. No, oh, I'm saying yeah, yeah. I wasn't making twelve thousand a week. I was making twelve hundred a week, and, uh, <laughs> and but I paid all my bills off, and I saved enough money to buy that, and but. I did one and, one and then another one and then another one and then another one and then another one and then I lost it all <laughs> It went broke. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole nother story. But yeah, but. yeah,
1: we'll we'll get into that. Um yeah. I think it's cool though. I mean what you did, you know, you're working what three, four jobs just to get started, and you know, it's what you gotta do, right? Like you make mean, it those are two big steps, right? Get, you know, the, the goal is to free up your time, but yeah. To start, you got to spend a lot of time to build, and you got into that house hack, you know, paying nothing for rent. I mean, that yeah. makes a huge impact. You know, I, I, I think man. that's a huge impact for anyone trying to get started. Man, I'm
0: telling you, you once you get, I mean, look, yeah, I'm doing big deals, but I started from the from the bottom, right? And I'm prom- that I remember it to this day, 20 years later. I'll never forget when I didn't have to worry about a car payment or mortgage payment, which are your two biggest bills. And then after I got another one, all my expenses were paid. Like I truly, I was working and I was banking my 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 regular nine to five job check. I banked it. You couldn't tell me nothing. I know it was, <laughs> I, was only net, I was only saving $1,800 a month, but I was rich, like I ain't have no bills. Yeah, it's amazing. I was financially free. I wasn't a slave to anything. Like it, it, it didn't matter. So it doesn't really matter if you get. I mean, it it does. Okay, I don't want to take away. But starting off, you don't have to have a million dollars, man. If you just do, you have options at the end of the month. That's everything. You yeah, know, absolutely. You know, hey, I can go out to eat. I can take a vacation. Uh I can pay a medical bill, not worry about not paying another bill. You know, that's freedom, man. And, and 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 fortunately, you know, at the time I didn't have any kids or family, you know, married or anything. But just imagine that happening now. You're married kids, and you don't have to worry about a car payment or a mortgage payment, like paid, because you got cash flow coming in. And that that's mm-hmm. the dream, that's the goal. And, and that should be your big B
1: I like your point too. Like you don't have to have a million dollars to do that either. I mean, um, what we talk a lot about on the show is just these owner occupied loans. You can go in with a, you know, you can get three to 10% conventional. You can get three and a half percent FHA loans. Um, there's different ways. There's programs where you can get oh, down yeah. payment assistance. Yeah. You yeah. can do seller concessions, have the seller pay for the closing fees, wrap it into the loan. There's so many ways to pay, you know, so little. I mean, a three and a half percent down payment on a two hundred thousand dollar home is seven thousand plus closing costs. So I mean, it you could save up for a year, you know, work an extra job, save up for a year, get into that house hack, you eliminate your housing expense.
0: Well, but not only that, I mean, for some of you that are concerned about well, yeah, you say that so easy, seven thousand dollars that's a lot of money. Well, look, there's other ways you can get it. There's uh there's a life insurance policy. You may have a life insurance policy. And for those you don't know, you, you have equity in those as long as you don't have a term. Uh, you could use your credit card. I had a guy, I sold him a four family. He didn't have $10,000 to put for a down payment. He borrowed it from his credit card. No, no, you know what? Let me, no, I'll take that back. I'll take that back. He, he borrowed a portion from the credit card, but he did the entire renovation from his credit card. Oh, okay. And he sold the deal, made thirty thousand dollars. His first four-family deal. That's great. So, you know, I mean, so that there's numerous ways. Uh, and heck, you can borrow the money from somebody, uh, or your four hundred one k. You can borrow from that. Too. You can crazy. take a loan out on that. Yeah. You know, and and, and why not your four hundred one k? I mean, if you're gonna pay yourself, pay somebody, pay yourself. Most four hundred one k deals, even though you borrow the money, you pay an interest back. You're actually paying yourself back, so you're actually making more money. So just use the resources you have.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just getting started. I mean, once you eliminate those expenses and get those covered, you know, it, everything just snowballs from there. Oh yeah, because so you can uh, think,
0: man. You can think. You ain't worried about. Yeah. You ain't worried about stuff. No yeah, more. it's
1: freeing. Let's talk a little bit about. So you did a bunch of no money down deals, and like, I read your story, so I know I know what happens. But you said that you kind of became over leveraged, um, from doing that.
0: Yeah. So back in the day, man, you, uh, I did those no money down deals and they're great. I actually kind of use some of them techniques and deals, even these mo- large multi-unit deals and five, $10 million deals, 20, I still do it, but those are to kind of get you started. And, and, and you got to be disciplined in that, but even when I use those techniques, I don't over-leverage. Over-leveraging is basically you're borrowing the amount that the property's worth, basically future value, after repair value. That's when you over-leverage. So let's say you let's say you do a deal, right? And um, it's only worth a hundred. And so you borrow a hundred, or you borrow a hundred and five or hundred and ten. That's over-leveraged because if you get in, a, 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 there's, a, let's well, say, a correction in the market or something happens in the market, you're not going to be able to sell. And if you sell, you got to sell at a discount, which then now it's a short sale to the bank. Now you you're in an issue. So you don't want to do that. What you want to do is you want to buy undervalued, Meaning, let's say it's worth 100. Let's say you buy it for fifty thousand, and you got to put twenty thousand in repairs. So now you're in for seventy. Now, if you borrow seventy thousand dollars for acquisition and renovation, then that's healthy leverage because it's worth a hundred thousand. So, right, you got thirty thousand equity. But if you leverage it all the way up to a hundred or more, that's unhealthy leveraging, and so. Back then when I was doing, it, you could pick your appraiser and you could tell them what you need the appraisal to come into. I know that's crazy. But and so we were getting deals and money back at closing, man. And so what happens when you were supposed to take that money and go do other deals is which is what I did. But when you keep doing deals and you take all the money out, if you don't start doing highly profitable deals, uh, you're going to take a, you're going to get hit. And and that's exactly what happened to me.
1: What did you end up learning from that? Like, what lessons did you learn? What did you take away to where you've changed your strategies today?
0: I learned that I never want to go live back with my mama and daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Because they painted my room pink and lavender. And they still had the old (laughs) sailboat bed, twin bed. (laughs) Sleep in that, man. No, man. What I mean... That was growing. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't want to go back again. But yeah, no, over leveraging is one, man. Um, and 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 you got to do deals that are worthwhile. Uh no matter what you do, uh, whether it's a twenty thousand dollar deal or a multi-million dollar deal, there's some more decimals and commas in place, right? Uh well, more commas, not decimals. Uh, but there's more commas, but uh you know, you're gonna put the same amount of work in. Uh, there's more little due diligence on, on like a multi-million dollar deal, but for the essence of it, on a hundred thousand dollar deal, you got the same amount of work. You're dealing with the same issues. So my point is make it worthwhile because if you working on a deal and you're not making money, it is not fun. Feeding it, not being able to sleep. So, you know, do your due diligence, make sure you're getting undervalued, uh, put your team together and, you know, go to work and have fun and make a lot of money, man.
1: Absolutely. So. So after that, after doing all those deals, you kind of you sort of had to start over. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: Yeah. So you eventually found a private lender. Um, How did you do that? How did you meet a private lender? And, you know, what did that do for you?
0: yeah so when i uh, I lost everything, moved back home, real estate is all I knew, and so I was like, Well, let me get my real estate license and learn to market and so I got my license and uh still wasn't really good at that either. Um, well, that's another story, but bottom line, I ended up starting getting listings and I, and, I, and i and i and I only really wanted to work with investors. So I ended up getting a four-family listing, and uh, we just started talking. I started explaining to him all the deals I was doing and what I liked, and this was an older gentleman that just moved from Atlanta. And uh, he had just sold a multi-unit down in Atlanta, and he was like, hey, I got money, I want to lend. And it was that simple. And so he lent me 200000 at 10% interest only with two points. And that was the beginning of our, our deals. I, I think I did a, my first deal with him was, all right, see you, buddy. My first deal was like a, a little single family house I bought for like 13000 Or I, I would either bought it for 7000 all in for thirteen, or one or the other. And I fixed it up and sold it for 26000 and got a tenant for it. So, you know, that was just the beginning of the career. And I was excited. And we just kept doing more and more deals and how I got more in private investors. Um, I love to teach. That's my gift. That's my superhero talent, right? That's my, and so I started teaching at all the adult ed classes around here called Scarlet Oaks. And i taught all the real estate classes, uh, all over the city and every class always had somebody wanting to come do a deal or lend me money or want me to represent them. Um, I still have those investors today, except for, well, two of them, unfortunately, uh, they got older and they passed away on me. Um, but, uh, but if it wasn't for that, they'd still be with me today investing. That's
1: amazing. Um, so a lot of our listeners, I'm sure at some point they'll want to take on private money and start the search to build a relationship with a private lender. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have to our listeners that have that goal?
0: You know, uh, one thing in partnerships, because, you know, people don't look at the private lender as a partner, but they really are a, part, a financial partner or, 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 or a team member. They're a member of your team because they're going to be funding your deals. My private investors are funding 100 percent of my deals and renovations. And so, one, you want to be real with them, right? You know, don't be something you're not. Just be you. Uh and do what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to return their money in six months, make sure you return their money in six months. Now, I understand sometimes things happen because, trust me, I had an investor where I was only supposed to have his money for about eight months. End up having his money for 24 months, maybe 36. But I kept paying and I paid even more because I, I, I got in a situation. But you don't quit. I wasn't making any money, but you keep paying that bill. You want your investor to keep coming back, keep paying and paying them what you do, what you say you're going to do. And, but make sure your goals are aligned, right? Uh, Don't just, Hey, this guy's got a million bucks and he wants to lend. I understand if he has set terms and y'all can live with that, quite frankly, move forward. But if y'all not on the same goal, and they feel that you feel that he's greedy or trying to take over, then don't do the deal. I've turned down a, a couple quite a few investors. matter of fact, I gave people money their money back. I had one investor. He only gave me 34,000 dollars, 35,000 dollars. was supposed to use it for about six months. He was supposed to get like 5,000 back plus a cash flow. And but he kept calling me every day, bugging me over and over again to the point I couldn't deal with him. I couldn't get work done. I literally wrote him a check for 40,000. Here's your money. Leave me alone. Don't want to talk to you. Don't want to do any more deals with you. And then from that experience, when I was out raising, you know, a a million or two at a time, uh, had someone act just like that. But we had a great rapport, a great conversation. And I needed the money, man. I needed. It was like, hey, I got a million dollars I want to invest with you, and I could bring more. And I was really excited, but after I thought about it, I was like, this is not a good match. I don't want to move forward, and I politely turned the money down. And, and to this day, if I don't feel it's a good match, I won't use your money, don't matter how much you got. Uh, you know, I like sleeping at night. I like having great relationships, and, and I want people to depend on me. And so, uh, and everyone has a job, so their job is to lend money. My job is to make returns. And so that's what I do.
1: It makes a lot of sense too. And you're probably trying to build long-term relationships That's right. Um, when you're picking up a private lender. So if you don't mesh at the beginning, it makes sense to yeah. uh, not continue and, and look for someone that you do mesh with. There you go. Cool. So, um, could you tell us about your first multi-unit deal? You know, what was that like? Um, what was the experience for you?
0: Uh, now we're talking about like two, four families or more, like larger. When I got like sixteen to you know forty eight.
1: So, so you got started with uh, smaller, like residential multi units, and then yeah, so then I, I you started off. off Let's, let's yeah, talk so about I, that.
0: Yeah. yeah, so I start off like I was a house hacking. I did a two family. Mm. And then I um, always was into multi-units because what, what, what I liked about that is if one unit went vacant, there still was another unit to, you know, help the cash. Well, whereas you have a single family house, um, you know, that goes vacant. You got you still got all those expenses. And, and now we own that like COVID, you know, with these uh, eviction mem- uh, matur- m- m- what? mandatory, whatever it is, uh, you know, some of them are going to be hurt. You know the smaller guys, three or four units, you know houses, and it goes vacant. You know they they're gonna have to feed that, and that's gonna be a challenge. Uh, so that's why I like the multi So I started off with a two-family, then about two four families with an eight unit, and man, you couldn't tell me that I was netting like three hundred a unit, six hundred extra a month. So I, you know, I had car payment, gas. You know, I was nine hundred dollars. I was living free, and then I had that. And then I bought another two family. And then I just kept going. And then, uh, but that's when I lost it all. And, and I like, you know, I just didn't have the right tools, wasn't buy right. But when I did it over again, we started doing these multi-units. And we were killing it, man. And I'll never forget, I got my first, I got a, what, a 20, 28 unit? It was a 28 unit in the West End, which is now just an amazing neighborhood. and. I mean, we did extremely well. Like with four units occupied, I paid my mortgage and the taxes. So, I mean, it was, it was great. Now, although it was in the D area, um, uh, it, it was you you need to manage it more as as management intensive, as I would call it. And I wouldn't uh, uh, advise buying in DNF neighborhoods. But starting off, if that's the only way you can get started, do it. You know you'll learn the game, you learn what you can do, you'll learn how to control your cost, uh, but doing C b and A properties is like being in heaven, brother, so you know I, I, <laughs> if you can avoid it, stay away from it
1: well, so from reading your story, it sounded like uh doing d and f properties is
0: kind of was kind of a niche for you and brought some lenders. Yeah. You know, I mean, because uh, once once you do a DNF property and you succeed, you can succeed in any type of market. And in DNF properties, you've got to be strategic and, and and control your costs because, it, well, a lot of D properties, you'll have a lot of great cash flow, but you don't have a lot of appreciation at all and a lot of times when you buy DNF property you're going to sell it for pretty much what you paid for right cuz that you know but you there's some upside. like I made a lot of money in DNF cause that was my niche nobody wanted those and and I could cash for them. that was just my thing um and but I did the main reason I did those I didn't know any other areas like you know I not that I actually grew up in the DNF neighborhood. I just knew those neighborhoods where my other friends, they were, they knew the B and A neighborhoods. And that's because they, I can't say if they grew up there or they just really studied the market. But it was a lower cost of entry for me. So that's why I stayed in those neighborhoods. But I'm telling you, once I got to the C and B, you know, when you're in the DNF property, tenants will call you in uh, November or December say, hey, Mr. Mike, uh, hey, I'm going to be late on my rent. And you're like, okay, sure, when?" And they'll be like, uh, I could pay you in February when I get my tax return. So I'm like, damn. <laughs> but you had to be creative and work with them. And without a doubt, by February, they paid their rent You know, with their tax return. Um, I'm not saying that it always worked out like that, but you know, we had to be, uh, uh, creative. Whereas when I got to my C and B properties, uh, they would be like, uh, Hey, I'm gonna be late on my rent. I'm like, what's late. And next thing you know, they say, uh, 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 this is the 30, you know, they call on the 28th or the 31st and they said, I'm gonna be late. And they say I'm saying what's late. And they say I'll, I'll pay it on the third. And I'm like, well, shoot. I'm good with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Late fees don't even kick in. <laughs> before
0: <then. laughs> so,
1: so that must've been an interesting transition going from DNF to switching over to B and A properties.
0: Yes. Oh, much, much greater. You know, I never thought I would be buying a properties, man. Cause I just thought it was expensive and, uh, but it's all in your perspective, how you analyze it. I mean, yes, they were selling at a six cap, but, um, but for what, what, what we realize is some of these people, man, they've held on to, if you find the right seller, they've held on to them so long and never pushed the rents up. Uh, it was like buying out of 10 cap because we could have went in and immediately pushed the rents by three or four hundred dollars. But they have just been there so long and been so comfortable. They just said, forget it. Um, we'll just sell it and invest in something new.
1: So nowadays, when you're looking for a new deal, another apartment, um, what kind of criteria are you looking at, and how do you know if it's a good deal or not?
0: So it's all about the numbers, and, and and we're looking at price per square foot. Now with the you know the smaller single family and four families, you're not so much. These numbers don't get as technical, but like for me, I want to find a unit that's undervalued. Uh, the rents are low, for example, um, and, and, they're, they're, and, and then we, once you say rents are low, they, in multi, large multi units, they look at the square footage. So in Cincinnati, uh, everything is renting above a dollar, dollar ten a square foot. So in, in essence, let's say you got a thousand square foot unit uh, and it's a two bedroom, and if you rent it for five hundred, well, uh, you know. You're renting it for fifty cent a square foot, so you know I'm like, well, man, that should be at least a dollar square foot, which would be a thousand. So, um, and so we look for that low hanging fruit, and that's what kind of got us past the last three years. Um, we were finding units that were in pockets where they were only renting to one bedrooms for three fifty or four fifty where i just sold something in a c neighborhood which i felt was a worst neighborhood where we were getting uh 500 for the ones and 600 for the twos and like i said they were getting 350 and 450 or 400. so me i was like let's take that deal we don't need to do a lot of work to it and i immediately pushed the rents you know from what the the one bedrooms went from 300 to 600 now in my performer i only have 550 we end up getting 720 for the one bedrooms you know over 300 dollars more 2x on the rent and then for the two bedrooms we end up getting we went from uh projecting 600 to 929 so we got caught with a little bit of inflation a little bit of time and then just the market so you know, those are the kind of deals we look for. But at minimum, we want to be able to push the rents by $100 a square, uh, I mean, $100 a unit or, you know, at least 20, 30 cents a square foot. And if we can do that, then that means we'll make it more money. Because when you get into multi-units, they're based in the value, not just the appraised value, like, if, like if, if single family houses or two families, you're in that area, and that's an area where all. All the houses sell for one hundred, hundred thirty. 130. That's great. Not same with multi-unit. This is based on your cash flow. So easily, if you can push the rents up, your property is worth more. And so uh just by you know pushing the rent by fifty bucks, uh, you can create a value of on a hundred units. Oh here, let's just do the math. So let's say you got a hundred unit building, uh uh, right, a hundred unit building, push the rent by fifty bucks. that's five thousand dollars more a month times twelve. that's sixty thousand, you divide that by eight cap. I mean, you just created a value of seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I mean, you see how simple that was yeah, that's, I mean, that's why we love it
1: yeah so so you're finding these properties.
0: they're undervalued specifically because the rent is undervalued majority of time it's rent. Like we, the one we bought in Bond Hill in Cincinnati, um, we knew we, cause we had just so wanted to kind of cross the street from it. Uh, they had the rents too low. They had the rents at 600 and it was all two bedrooms, but we knew that the rents could be eight fifty to 900. I was like, we're going to do that deal. And so, and we knew we had to do minimum work. Like we just had to paint, maybe replace some carpet, put some flooring in and into some roofing. So I think we bought that for one, one, three, one, four. We're going to be all in for one, seven, one, eight, and sell for two, three to two, six.
1: So when you're looking at these two and you're seeing rent is 700 and you're like, well, we could buy this push rent to 800, 850 um how how are you discovering what you could push the rent to is it going to be based on comps in the area
0: yeah yeah so so there's a simple one if you don't know and 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 it don't matter if you're doing large multi-units or small single family houses rentometer uh, is a great tool yeah. to use you know i mean there's other things like uh uh there's some larger websites, where they're expensive, more expensive. But rent is the simple, easy one. It tells you what all the rents are going for in that area, and it tells you what you think you can get. Um, now, is it always going to be 100% accurate? No, but if you kind of know, but if you don't have that, you simply can call around uh, the other areas and see what they're getting. You know, before rentometer was out, that's what we did to confirm the rents. So all I did was call the neighboring apartment buildings and find out yeah, what they were written for. And if, if they were written for more, I was like, yeah, I got a deal. But, you know, also I kind of, I just know the market and, and I know the area so I know what they should be written for. You invested through
1: 2008, you know, it's always an interesting topic and you know, whenever we get a chance to ask somebody about it, I'd love to ask, um, what was that like for you?
0: Man, 2008 was amazing, man. Um, uh, I made a lot of money in the recession. I became stable, you know, because uh, I like what in 2000, no, 2001, really 2003, 2001 is when I began to start losing things. That was when 9-11 hit and I started falling apart. And so 2003 uh, was where it really all fell apart. And then in that five year period, I started putting it back together. And in my fourth, fifth year, the Great Recession came. And that's when I made a lot of money. I was buying houses. I was buying and flipping houses and 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 now I'm owning houses free and clear. Uh it was it was amazing. I didn't think that was something that would be possible. You know, I heard about it and dreamed about it and prayed about it. And and the next thing you know, you're looking up. It's like, mom, no hands. I'm riding a bike with no hands. And mom, <laughs> I don't have a mortgage note. And uh it was amazing. I was buying mortgage notes for. Literally pennies on the dollar, like it was a about a note in Cleveland and um the guy had a debt of hundred and twenty and he owed ten thousand in back payments. I bought that note for eighteen thousand dollars. Wow. And um and I went back and restructured the note and I was like, look, they say you owe ten thousand dollars. I'm gonna waive that. But what can you pay me a month if you don't want to leave? And he's like, I don't want to leave. I was like, What can you for? He said, I can pay a thousand a month. I said, All right, you pay a thousand a month. I'm gonna re- set your debt to a hundred thousand. We're gonna restart the clock, and that's the beginning. And and so on eighteen thousand dollars. I was making a thousand a month, and I have no maintenance, no nothing. I didn't have to go there. So it was it was an amazing deal, and I did multiple deals like that, and and then. People were in trouble, so they started selling off their deals, and they give them major incentives to buy. You know, I'm, I had a developer; um, he had to get out of a deal, and I was like, "I don't want it." Like it was a it was a house I actually lived in, and they wanted what uh, it was worth five six hundred. But then the market tanked, and he ended up selling it for ended up buying it really for three twenty, uh, but they they wanted but I was like man look that's not my goal i didn't want to, I didn't want debt right I wanted to be financially free remember I paid my my, my 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 car cash flow was paid for by cash flow my mortgage note was paid by cash flow I didn't want that bill and so because um, <clears throat> my goal was to buy a sixty eighty thousand dollar house fix it up and then three to five years pay it off and but he gave me a deal I couldn't refuse. And after going back and forth, they ended up giving me the house for like 420, gave me a hundred grand back and closing. And they threw in two more deals. And they end up, I, I flipped those two deals they gave me so quickly, they end up giving me owner finance because I had a private lender that was lending money, but they were taking so long. I had fixed the house up and sold it. And then they just end up being another investor for me. So that's the, another thing about doing what you're supposed to. And uh, starting relationships, and so because of that, man. I mean, I did multiple deals like that. I had tons of cash. I had, finally had one of my first kind of dream home. I wanted, I wanted to own a three thousand square foot house. I ended up owning two three thousand square foot houses that were like my <laughs> personal residence. And I had like I don't know twenty houses at the time or more, and and, and about six of them were paid for in cash my own personal cash. So uh, you know, I, I wasn't complaining, man. You know, I had like four or five thousand in a month and net cash flow. Net that was coming to me. So I mean I have room to breathe every month, man. I mean, I know some of you may say five ain't a lot, but you know, I put all the work in. So now I can think about what deals I want to do.
1: Yeah, I mean 2008 was you hear horror stories and all that stuff, but a lot of people I have talked to, just like you, had found a lot of
0: opportunity. In Chinese, problem means opportunity. So, you know. And then and, and I just I seized the opportunity. Fortunately, uh, I lost everything before the great recession. So, Because of that downfall, that's why I don't regret it. I I learned about short sales. I learned about mortgage notes. Mm -hmm. I learned about uh, calling the banks and restructuring the deal and how to buy a note. And so when that time came, I I, I killed it, man. The only, probably even wealthier if I I had money. But I just didn't know, right? I didn't know what I know now. You know, I knew enough to be dangerous.
1: (laughs) Sure. So you, uh, I mean, now you have 1200 units and we were talking about, you know, you started off doing some commercial apartment deals, but what did it take to grow to that many units?
0: You know, uh, they they coined the phrase, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And uh, I just kept working at it, man, working hard every day and then started obtaining partners and They start bringing deals. And then I was picky about who I wanted to work with, man. You know, I I just didn't work with people come and offer deals and I would turn it down. And but I had maintained the key thing, though, that got me to where I am is relationships with my brokers or people that brought me deals. I made sure they got paid. Sometimes I gave them a little more. Sometimes I brought them in the deal. Why? Because I want them to bring more and more deals. A lot of people you know, they try to, uh, not pay the realtor, man, or the broker. Now I think that's the dumbest thing, you know, and, and I get it. I've been on both sides. I've been a realtor and I've been the investor because some of these investors looking at the real, like you didn't even do anything, you know, like I found, you know, I found the deal, you write it up or whatever, but really, why wouldn't you pay so for Let's, let's take my garden lane deal. Um, that was a 3% commission on a, a million, million, five million, three deal. Right. And so for that, he received thirty-seven thousand dollars commission. He brought me the deal. He didn't do anything else. He just said, Mike, I think this is a great deal. And this is why. And you should buy. It. And so some people are like, great. Do you have a listing? Do you have a listing? And they'd be like, no. And so they'll go right around him. And so I'm like, man, that, that's dumb. Why would you cut somebody out just so you didn't have to pay them thirty thousand? But you on the other hand gonna make three or four hundred thousand dollars. Why? You know, if you pay that person and just give them a little more, give them a tip, as I say, guess who he's gonna call when he has another deal? Sure. So yeah. Hey, that's that's a,
1: a really good point. Because they're gonna find deals too. That's what they do.
0: There, yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't have day. time. Yeah, I don't have time to look like they cold calling probably a hundred something people a day, man. Or or and fine tuning relationship, you know. I mean, because look, let's just say it's four thousand units, right? And and out of four thousand, everybody ain't ready to sell, but five of them will be. You know, so you know how I many calls you got to make every day to make that happen. I mean, that's a grind, and they only getting thirty thousand off of that. You yeah.
1: know. Mm -hmm. Good to have boots on the ground. You know, a lot of people probably want to achieve the success that you've seen. And, you know, we talk about house hacking on the show and how it's a great way to get started. But from buying, you know, a duplex or a triplex and running out a couple units, trying to picture yourself at 1200 units from just that small start, you know, can be hard. What advice do you have for for the listeners? You know, how can they grow to the success that you've seen?
0: Yeah, so one one of the big things is your mindset, man. I mean, you you, you got to change your mindset and and you change your surrounding, who you you're around. You know, uh, I like to explain the, the the four minute mile. No one ever thought the four minute mile was possible until they saw this guy do it, and then once he did it, multiple people start doing it. So I changed who I was hanging around and who my relationship with, and I saw people do million dollar deals, or or, or they'll do a flip, and they and and, and off of a flip they made netted two hundred thousand dollars. I was like, whoa! And they would do it over and over again. I was like, well, damn, I could do that. I don't know how, but I, I, I'm gonna do it. And then I started doing it. And then I, you know, in the books, what you feed, you know, instead of listening to all that music or watching Netflix all day. And trust me, I, I still watch Netflix, right? You know, I'm watching Cobra Kai right now, man. That's great. Nice. <laughs> but uh, 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 what I, I learned, man, is just you read these books and it starts setting a different mindset for you. And, and one of mine was From Good to Great, Built to Last by Jim Collins. And they started talking about BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. And they make these goals that's so ridiculous that it's like, I don't know how it's possible to do. And what happens once you start setting a goal like that, and no matter what anybody else thinks, you start moving towards that. And when people understand that, they start to gravitate to you and wanting to help you. And um, and and then you'll once you start thinking like that, you'll start learning ways to achieve it. So that's why they say, look, don't worry about how you're going to do it. Just figure out what your goal is and start working to it. Start learning about it. And I knew I wanted to have, uh, you know, 100 hotels. No clue how I could do that. Um, matter of fact, I said I set, we set the goal for $100 million. Matter of fact, true story, I set a goal for $300 million after I did $100 million, and I had no idea how to do it. None. I was like, I don't know where I'm going to get the money from. I don't know. And you know what? I was like, we're just going to do it. And sure enough, so when I start telling people that was the goal, that was the projection, next thing you know, bond people start coming. And I got introduced to people. And then next thing you know, we were set up for finance. At the end, uh, these funds or brokers start bringing me portfolios for uh, you know five to six or 10 hotels that we could buy. And then the bond market was funded 100%. So, it just started coming all together. Now COVID hit and I stopped that. But COVID is a great thing because now we're doing deals where I'm getting hotels even cheaper. And hell, instead of paying all that money I was going to pay, I'll probably that $300 or or $100 million portfolio, I'll probably get for $50 million now. now. That's, that's crazy. So, yeah.
1: yeah I mean, the COVID time. must have... Uh... Really impacted that industry. Oh, right man. Now.
0: The, the, the uh, COVID really hit the hospitality industry hard, not just uh, hotels, but restaurants, theaters, um, you know, anything with entertainment. You know, I mean, look, people ain't even shows right now. And so... Uh, you know, it, it's a great thing. We believe it's going to come back just like anything in history. Uh, now, it's not going to come back to the levels it was, started off right away, but in about three years it'll be back. And so, um, you know, people are going to sell at discounts because they can't take it no more. They're going to jump off. Uh, well, I don't want to say that because people actually will. So, uh, But people are going, you know, they're going to move away from their hotels and just let them go. And we're just going to pick them up. We're going to assume the debt take on the cmbs debt and just bring in uh capital uh to cover the burn as we'll say the deficit for the next 6 to 7 months
1: yeah a lot, a lot of opportunity that comes up yeah. right it's much like uh 2008
0: was yeah, same thing man mm-hmm. so we're going to seize the opportunity i don't think uh i think hotel apartments will take a hit but not not like before i think single families will as well Um, but it will take some time. Um, It's going to take some time. And not only that, I think there's a lot more money out there in the real estate market that can pick up some of these defunct portfolios or non-performing notes. So we'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah. And, you know, since we're on the topic of, you know, COVID, I think one thing for me, my nine to five, I work from home now and it's looking like it's going to be permanent. And what that's going to do is I think you're going to see a lot of people start to spread out to more of the urban areas Um, it's cheaper to live or just you know uh, you don't have to be so close to the office so you know go buy somewhere where you can get a bunch of land uh, same size house for the same price as you could in the city
0: No, that's you know behavior is going to change (laughs) I mean it's already changing and again there's going to be great opportunity I mean even New York in the city uh people are are doing an Exodus. Uh they already talking about California, you know. It's crazy they like vacancy dropped to ninety-five percent. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, it's gonna hit even more, and that's mainly because it can't evict people. Uh, but it's gonna be a great opportunity in New York. But yeah, I'm 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 kinda wondering how that's gonna change, you know. You know, everybody was doing this great exodus to the city because they can work and play, but now they don't have to. You know, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was great having you on
1: the show, Mike. Um, you have an awesome story. Uh, we usually close it off with uh four questions, so yeah, we'll I run down those. Uh you kind of answered this one already, but it's uh you know, what separates potential house hackers from those that actually do it?
0: Uh what separates them? Uh Man, it's just really a goal and commitment, man. You know, what? what is it that you really want to accomplish, man? And, and once you set the goal, one of the hard things for most people, it's not achieving it, it's being disciplined to work at it every day and having the commitment. Now, that's the challenge because you're not going to feel like getting up every day trying to find a new deal and dealing with the maintenance. So, That's
1: a great point. I, I like to say uh, everything that – is good for you sucks. right? Like eating healthy sucks, working out sucks, you know, and it's the same thing. Like if you want to see some success, you got to do some things that suck sometimes.
0: Yeah. The process, man. You know, one thing I don't like about real estate, I don't like property management. Oh my goodness. I hate it. I hate it. But that's what I you got to outsource. Yeah. You got outsources. sources.
1: <laughs> so what, uh, do you have a favorite mindset or business book?
0: Uh, One book I really enjoyed uh, was um, uh, what is it? The Big Deal, The Big Deal, The Big Thing About Big Things. Um, I think that was Andrew Mokiewicz. I'm probably getting this all screwed up, but it talks about how he had a hedge fund group and how you go through growing pains and just because they were your manager at you know twenty to thirty employees, that it's not going to be the same manager that has you at a hundred to two hundred employees, you know, and and how you constantly got to change, um, yeah, they, uh, oh man, I forgot his name, man, but one day you're uh godly, what was that uh oh man, I forgot his name, but it's it, it it's just it's not always the same. I and mean, it's ever changing. And so and another book I really enjoyed was Relentless. Uh, this was Tim Harver or McGraw, I can't think of his name, but he was Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan's and, and a trainer and um, how he talked about being good, great, and the greatest and, and the mindset you had and you know what really it takes to be the greatest. You know, there's a desire and a passion you have to have and a, a, a sick work ethic uh, in order to get there. You know, and um, I think reading uh, Malcolm Gladwell, the outliers, uh, help confirm all those things, because, you know, I mean, you, you read about being disciplined, having commitment. Um But when he started talking about you need most of most people that are highly successful, they have 10,000 hours into their craft. And that's when I realized, like, oh, that's why you got to be disciplined and passionate (laughs) about because in order to really do it, you got to put over 10,000 hours to master it. And who wants to put in 10,000 hours?
1: Right. What does that come out to? Like a full time
0: job over like five or six years? Yes, exactly. Like you can't do it in a year. And so, you know, and you know, in them ten thousand hours, you're gonna get punched in the face quite a few times. So, I mean, so, and that's when I understood, like, that's why you got to be passionate about. It. That's why you got to be committed. And that's why you got to be disciplined because you're gonna do things you don't actually love in the process. It's kind of like I like to say, I, 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 I love. I don't like running, but I love that I ran. Right.
1: Yeah. That, that's a great saying. I like that. Maybe yeah. I'll go run tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> what, uh, do you got a favorite real estate book?
0: No, nah, um, not lately, man. I mean, uh, I will say right now my, my favorite book is right here, man. Uh, from broke to millions, man. That, nice. that, if if you in the real estate, um, this is a book I read talks about kind of my life and, and how I got there and how the deals it's real simple to eat, read. And, uh, I think it would be very beneficial for you, man. I mean, uh, I've had numerous students or people read my book and man, just after reading it, it was the missing piece they needed. They went on and bought 30 units. Matter of fact, I remember a guy, he was talking about, he wanted to go buy a couple more, two families or three families. And, uh, I was like, man, why would you want to do that? You're going to put the same amount of work in. He ended up buying a total of 60 units on his first acquisition. So, man, I mean, they wow. do it extremely well. So, yeah, I mean, if you, a lot of people don't do things because they just don't know. And uh, I'm, I'm really loving this because it's changing people's lives. It's changing their thought process, it's making people think bigger, it's making them take massive action and put in action steps with their dream. And that, that's the key on any success.
1: Well, anyone who wants to uh, pick up that book, it's From Broke to Millions. We'll yeah, put it you in go,
0: yeah, you can in go, the description. go to to Millions. Yeah, From Broke to Millions. Uh, you can find that and join. From there, you'll join our Facebook group, Apartment Investing Secrets, uh, where you get tons of free content, tons of information to help you grow in your real estate career. Uh, but yeah, From Broke to millions.com.
1: Awesome. So, um, besides from broke to millions.com, where else can people find out more about you?
0: Yeah, you go to our website, uh, com. That's Nassau like the Bahamas, N A S S A U, invest, I N V E S T S.com. And you can see all our blogs. You can see some podcasts I've done. Uh, you can find our book, learn about our classes learn about our groups, you know, learn about all things we're doing, man. Uh, but uh, we got a lot of great things going on, man. And, and we love to teach people. Like I said, we we act as a bridge to get our our investors, our readers uh, to their investment destination. Awesome. So we'll throw the links
1: to all that in the, in the uh, description. We'll link to your Instagram account too, where we connected. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Mike. I think our listeners are going to get a lot of value from it.
0: Hey, thanks a lot, Drew. I appreciate you, brother.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. New episodes released every Wednesday and Friday.